they, they were close enough to me, they knew I was going to be within earshot. And, and they made a comment about my preaching, uh, the timeliness of my, or maybe timeliness, is that the right word? <laughs> the length. <laughs> That's it. And uh, I thought I heard something. I thought I heard that comment made. And I glanced over and I thought this dear brother was a friend of mine. But uh, he really wounded me to the heart here. Now, I tell you, I, I, have, I do have some bad news for you. I, uh, our, our life group met for a fellowship this morning, okay, earlier at, at Cracker Barrel. And I am just full. I mean, I am full to the gills. So I'm not worried about lunch today, okay? Um, I don't know where you're at on that, okay? But <laughs> that's bad news, isn't it? Hey, by the way, that, I do want to start my message that way today. I have good news and I have bad news for you this morning. First, the bad news. And you know this verse. I think we'll have it there. Job 14.1. What's it say? Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. So, if you're present today and a woman gave birth to you, there's something you can count on. Right? Trouble. (laughs) Every one of us. Now, some present today have come to a place uh, in their journey in life where they have acknowledged the reality that trouble is a fact of life and that it will show its face throughout our entire earthly journey. But, you know, I believe there are probably others here that, um, you know, among our children, maybe some of our youngest youngest folks, who... uh, just because of their of their age, it's not a slam against them, but just because of where they are where they are in life, they they look toward the future really with little or no expectation of future of, of trouble. They look towards the future with that type of a perspective, and that's just normal. But here's what I want us to consider today. All right, whether we are an experienced traveler on the road of life, or maybe we're just getting started, trouble will come our way. Nothing profound about that. Job 14, we read it. Trouble will come our way. But, listen very carefully. Sometimes, trouble comes in such a large measure and with such force that it is overwhelming. And as believers, if you're here today and you know Christ as Savior, here's a word of admonition for each of us. If we are not vigilant and attentive overwhelming trouble can drive a child of God to the place where he or she really doubts whether or not God is really still there. Trouble can be that overwhelming. If we're not careful, if we're not attentive, if we're not vigilant, we can find ourselves there. Anyone ever been there? I have. Overwhelmed. Feeling totally overwhelmed. And I've got to tell you this too, that sometimes I have felt guilty for feeling overwhelmed. I've had condemning thoughts like, now Tim, what an ungodly response to trouble. Yeah, it's bad. And this is serious. And this is hurting you. Whether it be emotional, feel, whatever, this, this is hurting you. But Tim, why are you responding like, what an ungodly response? I've had thoughts like, Tim, what a lack of faith. You talk about the Lord, trusting the Lord, and you sing about it all the time. Where is it at now? Allowing myself to be under the circumstances like this. And even, I think I would describe it this way, letting anxiety sometimes overcome me. 
But then I came across another individual, and it encouraged me, who also had times when he felt overwhelmed. I'd like to share that with you this morning. In Psalm 143, the psalmist David, that dear man of God, said this. David said, Psalm 143, verse 3, For the enemy hath persecuted my soul. He hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Now listen. Therefore, David said, is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. So David describes circumstances in his life. And by the way, that's not the only time in the book of Psalms where the word overwhelmed appears. There are several times it's there. But David was simply saying, this trouble that has come my way, yes, we have it in life. It's going to be with us. But this is overwhelming trouble. Now, listen carefully to this, if you would. I'll ask for your attention. A lot of times I know, I know some of you are going to be sleepy this morning. You had breakfast with me. And uh, you've you got a full, full belly there. And you're just uh, comfortable in these seats now and the heat's on. <laughs> All right. You say, Tim, I wasn't sleeping until you started describing that. Now I am. All right. Hey, listen. The the Hebrew word for overwhelmed in verse 4, the Hebrew word, it means, listen, to shroud, to clothe, to cover over. Let me ask you, have you ever had times in your life when you felt that your trouble was like a shroud? Have you ever been there where you felt like it was literally just covering you? Your life was covered with trouble. That's the picture of the word there. One writer said this concerning David's testimony here. Let me give you this quote. This is great. Listen, I think you'll be able to see it with me. The bravest spirit is sometimes sorely put to it. A heavy fog settles down upon the mind, and the man seems drowned and smothered in it. Covered with a cloud, crushed with a load, confused with difficulties, conquered by impossibilities. David was a hero, and yet his spirit sank. He could smite a giant down, but he could not keep himself up. He did not know his own path, nor feel able to bear his own burden. He said, my spirit was overwhelmed. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're there now because of some circumstances in your life. It could very well be. Now, all that's the bad news this morning. But I've got some really good news that I want to park on this morning also. Here it is. We who have placed our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior have an amazing God who is in the picture. Did you hear me? We have, if we are a child of God, if we've been born again through faith in Christ, we have an amazing God who is in that picture. And he said in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee, nor what? Forsake thee. Would you say those eight words with me a couple times, please? Here's what the Lord said to us. Say it with me. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Again, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. The God of the universe said that to us. If our trouble is overwhelming, the good news is we have an amazing God with us in that trouble. He is there. So, yes, even in those times, and I'm emphasizing this word on purpose, you'll catch it in just a minute. Even in those times when we feel our trouble has overwhelmed us, even then, in the extremities of life, God is with us, child of God. 
even there, even then, God is with us. Now, there are many precious passages in the Word of God that affirm this truth. We're going to look at a few of them this morning. And then I'd like to just share a testimony that some of you have heard, I know, on occasion before. But a testimony that just shows, in my own personal journey, the dependability of our amazing God and His promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And there are others in this auditorium today. Matter of fact, near the end, we're going to have a modified testimony and praise service. How about that? Because I know there are other people in this auditorium who could stand and give a testimony that your God showed you that he was with you in a time of overwhelming trouble in your life. And you could say, yes, Lord, and I want to just publicly give a word of praise. You were there. You have shown yourself to be faithful. So be thinking about that. All right. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. We'll do it in a little bit different way. But I would like to do that. The title of my message today is this. The extremities of life. And our amazing God. The extremities of life and our amazing God. Now, the verses that got me started thinking about the special emphasis that I wanted to give today, even there, even even in the worst of circumstances, even there, He's with us. The verses that got me started thinking about that years ago, years ago, I've pondered on them. I've shared them from the pulpit here numbers of times throughout the years in the midst of a song service or maybe another message. But I want you to look at them more closely with me today. And they're found in a chapter in the book of Psalms, chapter 139. Psalm 139. Now, while you're turning to that psalm, let me share with you a couple of statements that have been made about this particular psalm. Very brief statements. One commentator said this, This psalm is one of the, is one of the sublimest compositions in the world. Now, that's quite a statement. He said, this chapter, this psalm is one, of the, is one of the sublimest compositions in the world. Another writer said this, it is the most glorious and excellent psalm in all the book. Psalm 139. I believe the reason why these men spoke so highly of this psalm is because in the first 18 verses, we, we are given three magnificent attributes of our God. Three uh, magnificent attributes of our God. Now, All I'm going to do this morning is point out those three attributes and ask you, I want to encourage you, please. If you've you've never really parked on Psalm 139 and soaked on it, I want to encourage you to do that. It'll minister to your heart and to your soul. As a child of God, it'll absolutely, the Lord can use it to meet needs that you have in your heart and in your mind. It's a precious, precious chapter. But I'm just going to give you these three attributes, where they are found, and then we'll zoom in a little bit closer on One aspect of these, all right? So if you want to jot it down, the outline is going to be before you there, I believe. Number one, the first attribute we see in Psalm 139 of our God is this. His omniscience. His omniscience. Now, what's that mean? Help me out. He's all-knowing. Our God is all-knowing. That's found in verses 1 through 6, okay? Verses 1 through 6. The second attribute that we're giving here in this chapter is His omnipresence. That's found in verses 7 through 12. And then, number three, his omnipotence is described in verses 13 through 18. Now, that's from a Bible scholar. That's not original with me, so I just want to share that with you. But that will kind of help you break down that chapter as you get into it and just park on it, meditate on it, ponder on it, just chew on it. Let it minister to your heart. His omniscience, verses 1 through 6. His omnipresence, verses 7 through 12. His omnipotence, 
verses 13 through 18. And listen, I believe if you will really park there and read and soak on what you're reading, you will understand why those men said what they did about this psalm. That it is the most sublime of all compositions of the world. It's the greatest psalm, the other writer said. I think you'll see why they felt that way. Now, this morning, our primary text, my primary text is found in verses 9 and 10. Okay, so I hope, I hope you have your Bibles open. I think it will be there before you on the screen. But verses 9 and 10 fall in the description of His omnipresence. He's everywhere. Our God is everywhere. And these verses are the ones that I want to draw your attention to this morning. And let's begin actually reading Psalm 139 back at verse 1. Okay, would you do that with me? Just follow along and we'll read together through verse 12. Talking about, reading about the uh, omnipresence of our God. Okay, just a moment. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Oh, listen to these words. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, Lord, thou knowest it altogether. I may have said incorrectly, this is describing his omniscience. He knows all things. Verse 4. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. And now he begins describing the omnipresence of our God in verse 7. Read with me. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And here is my text. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, are you ready? Even there. Would you say those words with me? Even there. Again, even there. Shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Our God is omnipresent. When he made the promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, Yes, he could make that promise. He is omnipresent. He is with us. And that's something we need to rest on and rejoice in. Here's the statement again. I want you to just let this be something you walk away with today. And I hope I can retain it myself and carry it with me. It's easy to preach about it when things are relatively okay. In the midst of overwhelming trouble, I will be tempted to not think about these truths myself. I want to. I want to be found thinking about them, claiming them. So I want you to go out today doing the same thing. Here's the statement. Even in the extremities of life, even there, his hand will lead us and his right hand will hold us. You cannot think of a situation of overwhelming trouble. You cannot come up with one where your God is not going to be with you in that trouble. None of us can. Even in the extremities of life. <clears throat> Before we go any further, let me share with you a blessing from verse 10. 
the Hebrew root word, which is translated hold, Lord, you'll hold me. Listen, that word actually has some force to it. Say, what do you mean, force? It has the meaning to seize. But with the idea, and I believe the emphasis, of taking and holding in one's possession. Now, do you see that there? Think about it for just a moment. The word hold, Hebrew, it means to seize. But with the idea of taking and holding in one's possession. Now, let me paint a couple pictures for you. And here's what I think that means. You ready? The picture I want you to consider is not that of a child (laughs) selfishly seizing something, grabbing something, and declaring those famous words, mine, mine, mine. Okay? That's not the picture. But rather, how about this picture? How about an elderly couple who have weathered the storms of life for half a century or more, warmly embracing one another, holding one another as possessing each other. How about that? I love that. I love that picture. Or how about this? Maybe the tender picture of a new mom who when the doctor brings that newborn baby to her side, she seizes, as it were, that child, draws it close, and lovingly takes it into her possession And from the depths of her being, she thinks, little one, you are mine. You're mine. I believe that is the picture, folks, that God God has given us here. The psalmist pins that word on purpose when he says, Lord, even if I took the wings of the morning, if I could travel at the speed of light, so to speak, the rays of the sun that traverse across the earth so so quickly. And if they would carry me to the most remote place on earth, the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there, Lord, you're going to hold me. You're going to seize me. And you're seizing me in the sense of you're claiming me as your possession. I'm yours. A child of God, that ought to bless your soul. (laughs) That ought to encourage you. That's the way our amazing God holds us, even in the extremities of life. Even there. A while back... I can't remember the circumstances. This just came to my mind. But I was struggling. I was struggling spiritually, emotionally. And I was sharing some of it with Kip. And she just gave me a good admonition. You know what she said to me? She said, honey, you need to speak some truth to yourself. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to share with you today. We're all going to have times in our lives where if we're not careful, overwhelming trouble can push us to a place where we begin to doubt and question if God is really there. What's the answer for that? Speak truth to yourself. Get in the Word. Claim what He said. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Say it with me, please. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Again, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And those were, that was a good admonition that Kip gave to me on that day. I didn't like it. I guess I kind of thought, hey, I'm the preacher around here, okay? You're just the wife. Why are you telling me that things like that? <laughs> but it's what I needed. Now, since I just used the illustration, stay with me, please, of one of the most tender and deepest relationships on earth, that of a mother 
and her newborn child. Let's begin right here. Let's begin right here. And look at some of the extremities of life. Some of the overwhelming trouble that can happen to a person. But more importantly, we're also going to look at how our amazing God is in the picture in the midst of those overwhelming circumstances. That's the most important thing. So first, how about the extremity in life that we might call this? The extremity of failed relationships. The extremity of failed relationships. Now, think with me for just a moment. God is a relational being. Is that true? Is God a relational being? Oh, yes. He is the one that inhabits eternity, but he is a relational God. We see that in the book of Genesis. And he created man. He created us to have a relationship with him. When he created the woman, God demonstrated that it was his plan for mankind to have and to enjoy other relationships as well. As a matter of fact, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. He needs a relationship besides mine. Didn't he say that? It's not good for man to be alone. And then he commanded the man and the woman to do what? To multiply, to bring even more relationships into their lives. I believe that it's safe to say that God places a premium on relationships. How about it? Am I right? Yes, he does. And some of us, I said us, we're still on the journey <laughs> of trying to live that and to claim it and to make it a part of our fiber that relationships are more important to us than tasks. Now, I'm saying us. But God places a premium on relationships. And as I said a few moments ago, the relationship of a mother to her child is considered to be one of the most tender and deepest relationships that exist in the human race. But we have all watched in disbelief as the news has given us the stories of moms who have abandoned their children. I remember years ago in 1994, the attention of the whole nation was focused on the shocking story of a mother in South Carolina who sent her car with her three-year-old and 14-month-old sons inside into a lake and let them drown. Just last month in New Mexico, you may have seen it on the news, a security camera caught the gruesome scene of a young teenage mom taking her newborn baby and, and tossing it into a trash dumpster. But how about this? By the tens of thousands, yes, even by the hundreds of thousands, moms have allowed their babies to be murdered since Roe v. Wade became law in our land. Now, for those of us here today, such things are unimaginable. They're repulsive to us. They're harsh. They're, they're, they're cruel, and they are. But did you know that God addressed this extremity of life years ago in his word? Did you know that? Man, a long time ago, the Lord just kind of brought these verses across my path. And I treasured them then, and I still treasure them today. And you've probably seen them before, but I want you to look at them. In Isaiah 49, 15, God said to his people Israel, you ready? He asked a question, can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? You, you hear what God's saying there to his people Israel? 
He's asking them a question, like an ultimate question. Is it possible that a mother would not fulfill her love with that sucking child? Is it possible that a mother would not be faithful and committed? Guess what he says? Well, you see it there. He says, yea, yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Wow. Wow. Now, the context here is obviously that of the relationship of God that God has with His people, the nation of Israel. But the application, I believe, is valid to we who are His children through faith in Christ. He is, listen to me, He is our amazing, omnipresent, and faithful God. And yes, the closest relationships in life may fail, and individuals may forsake us, but our God will never fail, and He will never forsake us. In this passage in Isaiah 49, God doesn't stop there. It gets even gooder in the next verse. What's the next verse say? God says, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. The commentator Adam Clark said this. I want to read a quote by Adam Clark. He says, This is certainly an illusion to some practice common, common among Jews at that time of making marks on their hands or arms by punctures on the skin with some sort of a sign or representation of the city or the temple to show their affection and their zeal for it. Did you know that some of the people of Israel actually did that? They treasured that city, those walls so much, they wanted it to be before them all the time. They would engrave it on the palms of their hands. And the Lord saying to His people, I have taken you. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. You're always with me. And I'm always with you. Wow. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. Another commentator added this. So the picture of Zion, literally the city, is represented in this verse as having been drawn in the inside of Jehovah's hand. Zion and her walls are thus continually before him. Jerusalem is before God continually. The walls of Jerusalem. The child of God, I believe again, the application is valid. We as His children, through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, who have trusted Him by faith, our walls, could I say it that way? Our walls are also before Him. Our dwelling, our habitation, our going in and going out, it's all under the observation of our God. God was saying to his people, hey, I treasure you. My relationship with you is of utmost importance to me. Moreover, my eye is and will always be upon you. You do not have to worry that my relationship to you will ever fail. I am here and I will always be. Praise the Lord. And like the old country preacher said, if some of the truths of God's words, of God's word this morning... Hasn't stirred your soul already? The old country preacher said, then your kindling's wet. <laughs> your kindling's wet. Can't get a fire going, your kindling's wet, okay? Some old, old timer said, well, hey, if that doesn't ring your bell, your clapper's broke. There's, there's, something, there's something not right here if these truths don't bring a joy and a, and a blessed assurance to your soul. Amen? And they do. They do bring that to us, don't they? What a God. The extremities of life and our amazing God. That's my title. The extremities of life and our amazing God. 
David testified to the reality, listen carefully, that human relationships can fail. In Psalm 27.10, listen to what he says. When my father and mother forsake me. Whoa. What? Father and mother forsake a child? But he didn't stop there. He testified to the faithfulness of his amazing God when he said these words. Then the Lord will take me up. Even, even if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. So, brother and sister in Christ, even when we find ourselves abandoned by those who are the dearest and closest to us, even there in that extremity of life, we will find His hand leading us and His right hand holding us. Psalm 139, 9 and 10. Would you say that with me, please? Psalm 139, 9 and 10. Again, Psalm 139, 9 and 10. And then just say these two words, please. Even there. Even there. Again, even there. Even there. Well, if we stop right here this morning and have that testimony and praise service I was talking about. I love Psalm 66, verse 16. This is good for this morning. Here you go. You ready? Come and hear, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. How about that? You like that? I like that. Hey, you fear the Lord? You love him? Come here. I want to tell you what he's done for me. So we can rejoice together. As a matter of fact, the next verse says this, Psalm 34, 3. Oh, how good this is. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Would you read that aloud with me, please? Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now, put an emphasis on, the, on all the pronouns that deal with us more than just me and you, but us. Ready? Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Let's do that this morning. And maybe already in your heart, you've been sitting there. This happened to me yesterday at the couples at the marriage retreat. As that dear man of God brought a message on the life of Aquila and Priscilla from the New Testament, I sat there and thought about two people, a husband and wife, who absolutely were used of God in an overwhelming time of trouble in my life to rescue me, to help me. I'll tell you more about it. I've told most of you about it before, but I'm going to tell you just again, if I could, please, if you'll bear with me. Now, before I share my story, I got a question I'd like to ask. Is there anyone present today, anyone present today who has experienced this extremity of life, that of failed relationships? But who, more importantly, has also experienced the care and the faithfulness of your amazing God? That even there, even there, he was holding you and his right hand was guiding you. Anyone want to give a testimony to that, test, to that just by raising your hand in thanksgiving to the Lord? Anyone else, anyone else here besides me that can give that testimony? And all God's people said, amen. Hey, aren't those precious memories? Oh, they're difficult. Yes, sometimes. Yeah, they're difficult. They're tender. But aren't they precious? Don't you just revel in the goodness of God to you in a time of overwhelming trial, of overwhelming trouble? Don't you reflect on it and say, oh God, 
Oh, it's good for me to think about that because you were so faithful to me. You were there just like you said you would be. <clears throat> I wish we had time for some of you to stand and to give that testimony. Man, it would bless our hearts and our souls. Maybe on another occasion we can do that. <laughs> The extremities of life and our amazing God. If I were to take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, the remotest place possible, here's what the psalmist said. Even there shall thy hand hold, seize, draw as to possession me and thy right hand shall guide me. Even there. Would you say those two words with me? Even there. Again, even there. You say, Tim, but you don't know where I am right now, what I'm dealing with. I don't. God does. And those two words still apply. They still apply. Even there. Even there. Even there. He is with you. I made a phone call this morning, early. To a couple who I've told you about before named Johnny and Gina Barker. Some of you met them. They were at one of our couples retreats years ago. Johnny was a pastor. Well, before he was pastor, he was a missionary to Peru. But then he was a pastor at, in Danville, West Virginia, at Bible Baptist Church where Daniel grew up. And Daniel's daddy, Greg, served with Johnny as his youth pastor for 25, 27 years, I believe, something like that. But before, before, before that... Johnny was a student at Tennessee Temple, young man, and I don't know the whole story, but somehow a young lady in our church caught his eye, and I don't even know how that came about because he's from a town that's a couple hours away from where our church was. But nonetheless, they began to date and correspond. And in this church, maybe at that time running 100, 120 maybe, I don't remember exactly, it grew. But at that same time that this little romance is going on, uh, there's a little boy in that church whose home is filled with a lot of strife. Matter of fact, he lives right beside the church. He lives right next door to the church. And as I told Johnny this morning when I called him, and I've done this before, and I don't say it boastful, I'm just I'm glad I had another opportunity because God brought them to my mind yesterday in such a real way. But as I called him this morning, I said, Johnny, what in the world would cause a young, newly married couple? I don't remember how long, but they had, been, they had not been married hardly any time at all. What would cause them? Now, Gina grew up in our church. She knew about my family. She knew what we were going through. But still, a newly married couple, what would cause them to all of a sudden seek out this young boy whose family is falling apart? Who in just a short time, his mom and dad divorce and, and his dad remarries and he and his mom move into a little apartment in town. What would cause, and I began to weep even as I was talking to Johnny this morning. I said, Johnny, what in the world would cause you guys to care for me as a little boy like that? I said, I know what it was, Johnny. You with me? It was my God. Even there, 
Even there in the life of a little boy who has no control over the circumstances of his life. But human relationships are failing. And there is a forsaking taking place. And yet, (laughs) praise God, he was there. And I praise him for it this morning. And I just wanted to call Johnny. I said, Johnny, you tell Gina again. I can never express the gratitude that I have in my heart for you guys. How you poured your life into me. You know what they did? I told you, some of you know this. When things were getting the most intense with the divorce coming up and everything, and we eventually ended up in a courtroom with dad on one side and mom on the other side, and I was going to have to testify as a young boy. That was just unbelievable. But somehow it all changed, and the the lawyer said, hey, let's just go in private meetings and settle this outside of the courtroom, which they did, and resulted in me and mom moving out and going to Beckley to our home, to to the town next door there, to our community. But in the midst of all that, and this is still quite amazing to me, it really is. You know what Johnny and Gina did? I wasn't there, so I don't know what they said. But they went to my parents. And I've been thinking about that even this morning. What was that like for them? (laughs) To walk up to two much older Christians who are about to divorce and to ask them, Hey, could we take your son? Could we take him back to Chattanooga with us for a little while? Let him stay with us in our apartment? But that's what they did. So the three of us, loaded in their little VW bug (laughs) and began to make that trek from West Virginia down to Chattanooga, Tennessee. They lived in a little apartment. And now listen, I'm saying little. Up on Missionary Ridge. It was one apartment of three that were connected that went down the side of a hill in the backyard of a huge plantation. Probably it was the quarters of people that had served there years ago. But this is honest truth. Their entire apartment was about as wide as what our foyer is back there. Wide. And maybe not even quite as long as from this wall to that wall. It was a one-bedroom apartment. The only bathroom in the place was just right there at the foot of their bed, in their bedroom. Had a small living room and then a kitchen area. Hey, why don't you come down and stay with us for a while? And I cannot tell you how God used that time to minister to me and they poured their love on me and I told Johnny this morning Johnny I have had 10,000 plus blessings in my life and I said I probably wouldn't have I wouldn't have experienced a one of them if you and Gina hadn't reached out to me if you hadn't cared for me and I said this to them I said, if you hadn't been available to God for him to use in the life of a boy whose life was falling apart. Hey, folks, I can give testimony this morning. I'm with you. I'm raising my hand. Even in overwhelming trouble, my God was there. How about yours? I think about this. Hey, by the way, you know, all my life I've done crazy things in my sleep. I don't know when it got started. I've never been a sleepwalker. But I've done a whole lot of other things that you just wouldn't believe. I'm talking about more. I mean, I talk. And I talk so plain in my sleep. Kimpy can hold a conversation with me, okay? And, and uh, I, I, you wouldn't believe the things I've done. But here's what happened. I'm sleeping on the couch in this little one-bedroom apartment. In order to go to the bathroom, I have to go through their bedroom. Guess what happened? Well, one night I had to go to the bathroom. And I know I felt kind of bad having to go through their bedroom to get to it. But I had, you know, had, to, go, had to go, so I was going to go. <laughs> Went, came back out, laid down on the floor right beside their bed. 
Slept the rest of the night right there beside their bed. Woke up the next morning. Tim, what are you doing in here? <laughs> I don't know. This is just where I landed after I got through. Okay, I, I came here and landed right here. Johnny and Gina Barker. Hey, could I stop right here? And I want to encourage you to do something. I hope you'll act on this. I challenged our life group with this back about a month ago. If there are people in your life that God has used the way he used Johnny and Gina in my life, when's the last time you contacted them and thanked them? And I, I imagine you've done it before. I have with Johnny and Gina, okay? But listen, it never gets old. It never gets old to me because my heart fills up every time I think about what they did and how God used them in my life. Because it was through them, listen to me, it was through those two people that I realized my God was there with me even then. Even then. And then I think about this. Mom and I moved. We moved to another little location. Whereas I had lived right beside the church and could just simply walk out the door and walk across a little field Small, very, very small field, about the size of this court area over here, and I would be in the church from my house. But now we live several miles away. I can't walk to church. And there's unusual things going on in my family, you know, in mom and dad's lives, and Satan just, and I, I say none of this to dishonor my mom and dad. Y'all know that. I love my mom. She was here. Y'all got to know her. Dad's in heaven. So I'm not saying any of this to dishonor my parents. I just want you to know God's there even when relationships fail you. God is there. But because we did live now several miles away from the church, I had to catch rides sometimes to church. And I can still, in my mind right now this morning, I can picture the young couples who would come to my house. I can picture them as if they're sitting right in front of me right now. Pick me up, take me to church, after church, take me back home and drop me off. I can't even tell you how many times they did that for this young teenage boy a boy kind of still messed up still broken having some struggles yet God was there so I hope that you'll leave this morning brother and sister in Christ with the assurance in your heart I hope you'll leave rejoicing and I hope you'll leave with the not just the intention but I hope you'll leave with the purpose today maybe tomorrow Surely, by this time next week, that you're going to contact someone who made a difference in your life and say, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. And this morning, as we close in prayer, we can all do this. And that's one of the reasons why these songs this morning were blessing my soul so much, because I was thinking about all these truths and what God's done in my life. But we can all do this right now. We can all just now pause and just tell the Lord. Thank you for being with me even there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being with me even in that extremity of life. You were there. Let's pray. I'm going to give you a moment just to talk to the Lord, okay? If you're here today as a child of God, you'd like to tell him those words of appreciation, those words of gratitude. Hmm. Even there. Even there. <laughs> what an amazing God we have. What an amazing, faithful God we have. 